You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cassio. In this episode, I'm joined by two pioneering members of the FDNY, retired Battalion Chief Rochelle Jones, better known as Rocky, and Battalion Chief Michelle Fitzsimmons, who currently is the highest ranking uniform woman in the firefighting ranks of the department. History was made on June 25, 2003, when Jones became the first woman to be promoted to the rank of chief in the FDNY. Previously, she held the distinction of being the department's first female captain. Rocky Jones was appointed to the FDNY after Brenda Berkman filed a lawsuit that argued the 1977 test discriminated against women and did not adequately evaluate the abilities needed for firefighting. In 1982, a judge decided in the favor of Berkman, which resulted in more than 40 women being sworn in as firefighters for the first time in the city's history. This included Rocky Jones, who followed in her father's footsteps to become a New York City firefighter. After a long, hard-earned career, she proudly retired from the FDNY in 2011. Michelle Fitzsimmons comes from a long line of firefighters that included both her great-grandfather and grandfather. Throughout her career, she has worked tirelessly while pursuing promotional opportunities. In 2020, she made history as the second woman to become a battalion chief in the New York City Fire Department. She joined the department in 2001, having been the only woman in her graduating class at the Fire Academy. Both chiefs serve as a reminder that women should always be counted among New York City's bravest. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Rocky, let's start with you. What brings you to the fire department? How did you decide to start here or join? Well, partly I came to the department because my dad had been a firefighter. I grew up in a totally civil service area in Brooklyn. Most of the children in school, parents were cops or firefighters. And in 1977, they were giving a test and they were allowing women to take the test for the very first time. And I think for me, that was kind of like a challenge saying like, what do you mean women couldn't take the test before this? Many of my male friends were taking the test, and I decided that uh, I would also attempt to take this test and see why women couldn't do this. What did you learn from that? I learned you really have to have a strong backbone <laughs> and a great sense of humor to survive. <laughs> How about you, Michelle? What brings oh. you to the FDNY? I had wanted to do it when I was a kid, I remember seeing when the final of the lawsuit was announced. And my grandfather was like, women shouldn't be firefighters. I was like, well, okay. He was a retired battalion chief. I was like, he must know what he's talking about. And I kind of put it on the back shelf and uh, went on, had another career, and then I was completely burnt out. I worked with people with HIV and AIDS for 10 years. I needed a job I could go to, be physical, and leave it at work when I went home at the end of the day. And then I happened to find out that a test was being offered. I was a month and a half away from being too old to take the test and squeaked by and got in there. When you take the firefighter exam, did you have any preconceived ideas about it? Did you have any intel about how challenging it was? Not or? a clue. When I went and took the test, yeah. But when I signed up, no, I didn't know. But like a lot of the women, like Rocky was there. They were doing a prep program at John Jay. I participated in that. And I was, I was in shape at that time. I had been playing football. I had been playing softball. And, you know, it was like just training for those tasks. They offered something that gave a real excellent familiarization with the skills you'd be using on the test. So it worked out really well for me. Was that the same test you took, Rocky? No. It's very similar. I think it's what they designed as a result of, of our the test. lawsuit. Right. Uh -huh. So it was, it was very similar to the test that we took. They did change the physical so that it would be for everyone, 
and it was a trainable test. So oh. same as CPAD is. It's a, it's a really trainable test. Right. So if you put the time in, you should be able to pass it. And so it, it becomes a test, the physical piece becomes a test that reflects the type of skills that you're required to do right. as a firefighter? Yeah. Yes. The previous test was a bunch of different tasks, not all of them fire-related. Mm -hmm. And um, that was the argument, and that's how the class action suit was won, because the judge agreed that they should be testing for tasks you do as a firefighter. Mm -hmm. And that eventually became the test, and then the, the department moved on to CPAP. Yeah, after, after the test I took, they moved on to CPAT. Uh, so it's more of a, a standard that's universal across the country for firefighting? Very much so. Yeah, it's, a, it's across the board. Yes. Rocky, explain how did you get involved as already being on the job? What prompted this prep class? The women's group and the department approached John Jay, and they were willing to have a trainer, and women firefighters would volunteer their time to go there and help train women on the tasks that were going to be on the test. Many of us went there on our own time, a few days a week, uh -huh. and out in the elements. And yeah, that was to help get more women on the job. We were really dedicated to getting more women on the job, not to be the only ones that right. ever came on the fire department. Right, because you, being the first is only so great as long as you're not the last. Very true. Right. So looking back at Proby School, Rocky, for you, you start with other women in your class. Yes. And Michelle, you are the lone wolf yep. in your class. So let's talk a little bit about what that experience is like. I would imagine for Rocky, for you, having the support of other women is probably beneficial at the time. Yeah, it was beneficial. I mean, we, we leaned on each other for so many things. Mm -hmm. But we also had lots of issues that we were having trouble with. I mean, we had gear that didn't fit us. Uh -huh. I mean, I could actually make a fist in my glove and never move the fingers of my glove. You can't have hand strength when your gloves are like oven mitts. So, you know, we went through a lot of growing pains and we went through a lot of things with the department to get things together on that. You know, they, they did wind up getting small and extra small gloves. I mean, we're also almost in competition with each other a little bit. Mm. So for the most part, the women really were great with each other. And like I said, I, I benefited from that. I imagine that Michelle's experience was totally different because it was nearly 20 years later. Uh -huh. I would say we had some really terrifically great instructors. Okay. We had a few people who were there. They had been instructing for a while. So they were about instructing. They weren't about playing games. I personally definitely owe my career. We've gone through a really tough time with Proby School, and they were letting 11 of the 41 women graduate, and the other 30 were getting thrown back in, and almost every man got to go to graduation, but then like 30 of them came back because they had deficiencies to clean up, which is the excuse they were giving to the other 30 women that they couldn't graduate, but they didn't get to go to graduation. So I was at a point where I thought, I'm just, that's it. You know what, we're playing games here. I can get my old job back. I'm done, you know? This guy came and that guy came. You know, oh, no, wait till Monday, wait till Monday. I'm like, no, no, listen, enough. I can, I can go back and get my job. I know I can. And as I was pulling out of the parking lot, he was the lieutenant then, stepped in front of my car, brave man that he was, and told me, you're coming back here Monday and you're going to finish this probie school. And I trusted him. Don't really know why, but this guy, like, he told me, and I see him. His name is uh, Jim Curran, and he had at some point in time been the captain of 15 truck before I got into floor engine. So I see him on 9-11 every year, and I remind him every year that he is the reason that I made it through. 
Did he remember that? Yes, of course he does. <laughs> well, I mean, he stepped in front of your car. It's well, how many people's cars do you think he stepped in front of a probably school with a woman behind the wheel? <laughs> Point taken. <laughs> What's it like being the only woman? I mean, I guess it sets the stage because you're frequently the only woman still in the in the yeah, space, right? I still am. Um, often. I don't know if I was just too stupid to realize what I was walking into. I wanted it so bad. I didn't care was kind of it. Like, that was the thing is I wanted this job so bad. I did not care. I remember the field units would be out there trained. They'd be like, don't worry, there's going to be the worst, you know, the worst part of your career. I was like, this is the worst part. I was like, I'm having so much fun. Like, I was so excited to be there. I kind of got into my squad and I just kind of, I wasn't going to let anything bring me down about it. I was so excited to be there. Fortunately, through the course of probie school, I kind of had instructors here and there who would kind of come over and be like, you're doing great. Like giving me like these words of encouragement and a few of the drill instructors, like at the end of probie school, pull me aside and be like, I'd be thrilled if you came and worked in our company. I had so much fun and I didn't mind. It really didn't bother me being the only woman in there. Yes, I was the only woman and yes, I stood out and maybe I've kind of blurred out bad memories about it, but I I really didn't have a problem being the only woman at that time because I was just, I was thrilled just to be on this job. It was a good setup because you're the only woman so many times. Yeah. I, I went to a retirees group Christmas party, and one of the guys came over to me who had been in my first firehouse, and he came over and he goes, oh, it must be difficult to be like the only woman walking into a room like this. <laughs> and I thought, and I, I honestly didn't, I didn't even know what to say to him. I thought, if you think this is difficult, how do you think it was when I first walked into that firehouse being the only woman yeah. and being young? But, but you're used to it. You're just used to being... It's almost weird sometimes when you have another woman. Like, you know, am I being overly friendly? Am I being like, am I gushing? Like, I don't mean to gush because there's another girl here, you know? So. Yeah. Uh, I think I was probably more nervous my first day walking into the firehouse as opposed to probie school. Because in the probie school, I was like, they're all the same same. as me. Like, they they don't know what they're doing either. But walking into a firehouse, that was a little more stressful. And then first tour as a lieutenant walking in, I think, was also like, I was like, ooh, okay. And now I'm the boss. You both needed to have some type of mentorship, right? Like any new firefighter would need to be as best successful as they can be. So first, Rocky, since you come in at a time where women aren't even welcome, did you have opportunity for mentoring at that point? I really can't say that anyone was mentoring me, but I did have people who supported me quietly because if they were outspoken about supporting me, they paid the price. But I did have good guys who I work with. I had a good chauffeur. But there was a group, my group of guys who did support me. I felt I missed out on a lot of informal training because, you know, things weren't shared with me and I wasn't included in group things, activities. I was constantly tested on things I could do. And when I did them, I was actually getting more self-confident about my abilities. Mm. Really, for me, it was the other women I don't think that I would have survived without having the other women that that joined the department at the same time as I did. We had meetings and called each other and supported each other emotionally and even helped each other doing physical tasks. I struggled starting the saw, and a woman said, come to my firehouse. I'll show you what you're doing wrong because it isn't that hard. So there was like that camaraderie, and that was really, yeah, the mentorship we had was each other. When you become a lieutenant, is it a little bit different? And there's more people around who are willing to help show you the ropes, 
or does, is it still the same at lieutenant and then captain? I think that this job does respect rank because firefighters who've taken the test for promotion understand how much work that takes. So if you're, you get promoted, you're with people who'd spent the same amount of time as you did studying, so they respect you. So I think that that comes from that. I always felt like all they have to do is give me the minimum respect for my rank, and it will be okay. I didn't worry about, oh, they're not going to listen to me because I'm the girl. And I think that I was correct. I don't think that I had any problems with, with that. So it was good. I mean, as you get promoted, like I said, you're with other peers who have gotten promoted, and they're willing to share with you and or ask you questions. Your group of peers gets a little bit smaller because mm -hmm. there are less captains and lieutenants and less chiefs and captains and so on and so forth. And you do have a, a trust with one another. And I think that that's, you know, the mentoring happens. When Rocky got promoted, it was, it was a huge event. It was big. It was big. It was big. <laughs> it was huge. I've been very fortunate that the women have totally supported me every time I've gotten promoted, showing up in large numbers and screaming at the top of their lungs when my name was announced, you know? It was always a, a thrill. So, and 20 years, almost 20 years difference between the two of you for your starting dates. What's your experience like with mentoring, Michelle? The women who were working to help us train for the physical was great. You know, the people stand out, Rocky, Eileen Gregan, Lois Mungay, and Joanne Jacobs. The four of them were the ones I felt like I could pick up the phone and call them if I needed to ask them something. I also remember the first time I went to a job and there was another woman there and it was Rocky with Eileen as her aide on the roof at a third alarm on, I think it was on Queens Boulevard over in Woodside area. And like that was the first, I was like, oh look, other women out of fire. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a while into my career. It was when she was already a chief. But I remember looking over and being like, oh, so excited. And then the one person who has continued through and been one of my biggest mentors, despite the fact that I outrank her now, is Anna Skirmahorn Collins. Like, she's really been the one that I turn to, even now, like things come up and I want to talk about it. She's the one I call. Mm. You know, you have this group of people that you go through, lieutenant training with, captain training with, chief training with. I've never had anyone, when I went to ask a question or started talking to, that I didn't feel like I could ask them for help. Like, I've been very fortunate with that. It's been great, you know, overall. So how early on, for each of you, how early on in your tenure did you decide you're going to promote to higher ranks? For me, my first firehouse was not a great experience, but they were all studying. And with very few people speaking to me, I had plenty of time to study. But it was also to have more knowledge as a firefighter. That's one of the great things that came out of my being in that firehouse was that I was already getting into reading the books. I didn't pass my first lieutenant's test in 1986, and I didn't like that feeling very much. And I thought, you can tell me a lot of things that maybe I can't do on this job. You can say that you don't think I'm strong enough, but you're not going to tell me I'm not smart enough. So. After that test, I decided that the next test would be my test. I was very lucky to be in a study group with a bunch of guys from a truck company in Brooklyn, and I was working in an engine company in Staten Island, and that made a big difference for me. I loved those guys. 
and without them, I don't know if I would have done as well in my lieutenant's test. And they actually dragged me back in to study for captain because I was so happy as a lieutenant. I wasn't really sure I wanted to go any further because I was just having such a good time. So they dragged me back in kicking and screaming, and I did very well on my captain's test, which set me up to take the battalion chief's test. So, How about you, Michelle? I was never a good student. And fire ops, that kind of stuff, I loved reading it. And I enjoyed studying it. I actually enjoyed learning more about the job. I, you know, I had also thought, you know, my grandfather had retired as a battalion chief. And I was like, oh, it'd be kind of neat to do that someday. So now, you know, that's kind of where I'm at now. So, but now I'm studying for another test. So you're going to go for deputy chief? I'm going to try. We'll see. My whole probie class, you know, we lost six guys that day on 9-11. And for me, I felt a, a sense of duty to have the best career I could because those six guys didn't get any career. Mm. They were gone so soon and never got the chance to experience everything this job had to offer. But for me, it's been a sense of this obligation to kind of do the best I can in the department because of what was lost that day. I mean, 9-11 changed a lot of things it changed a lot of ways that uh, people looked at the department and as the department looked at itself. For me, I think personally, I felt like the older generation of firefighters really was their obligation to show the younger people, people like Michelle, you take this job and you don't take it just for the good days. You've got to take it for the bad days too. I think that that was one of my goals and to also to honor all these people who I had worked with that uh, you carry on. And there'll still be good times, but as the department, I mean, the department changes all the time. Different storms happen and pandemics happen and lithium-ion batteries happen. So, you know, it changes all the time and you have to be prepared for that. And I think that senior guys and girls accepting that shows younger people that, you know, nothing stays static and there could be tragedy ahead, but there are always a lot of good times to celebrate too. I guess it is a lesson in resiliency. Yes. To piggyback on Michelle a little bit, I tell all junior firefighters that you should study for a lieutenant because the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to be a smarter firefighter. And there's no officer who knows everything, so you may know that one thing that they need at a box that they don't know. That may have been something that just clicked with you. Right. I agree. And I want to backtrack on something Michelle said earlier about working with a woman and seeing a woman at a fire. I was, I've been lucky. I've had a woman join me in my single engine company in Staten Island as a firefighter. I've had a woman come to my battalion as a lieutenant, the one house over from us. As a captain, I didn't work with any other women, but there was a lot of women in Lower Manhattan at the time. Mm-hmm. And then when I became battalion chief, eventually Eileen came and was my aide. But I was at a meeting of the UWF, the United Women Firefighters, and there was a woman who was saying, yeah, I went to a second alarm the other day, and Sullivan was there, and LaRoche was there, and she named off like five women, <laughs> five women, and, and so-and-so had the nozzle, she was, did a great job, and I, I said to her, you know, that was a dream I had once, that I would see five women at a fire I went to, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's so different now, yeah. Oh, so yeah. different. Oh, even this morning, my sister was working. Was she? <laughs> yeah, great. great. She had the nozzle on the second engine. All yeah. right. So... It's nice. It's a family affair. And Rocky, you have other family in the fire department too, besides. Uh, yeah, I mean, my father. dad had retired before they let, let women take the test, but I married my husband. I met him on the fire department, my brother in law, my stepson, and my nephew all served the department. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty thick family history. 
It's the tradition. It is. How would you characterize the changes in training? Training has totally changed. When I was in private school, private school was six weeks back then, I think. And it was very basic. I mean, there's so much more that we respond to now and so much more technical stuff that we do now that training back then was basic ladders and hoses and knots. <laughs> I mean, that's what I remember, you know. So it wasn't nearly what it is today and what it needs to be. From my brief time, I taught three classes at Proby School. I know the people who have been involved with training, and it's kind of an ever-evolving thing. They're constantly looking at what the curriculum is and what can be added, what can be taken away, what can be made better. You know, how do you evaluate skills? How do you evaluate knowledge? I think that's it's a constant changing, growing, getting better. This may be difficult to articulate. We all have our own experience as a woman, right? You've never been anything but a woman. So it may be hard to answer this question. Do you find that women have to train differently or think differently about preparing for this job? It may be different, but like you said, I've never been a man, so I don't know what it's like for them. But you've got to really prove yourself, I think, a lot more as a woman. I tell women who come on, and it it applies to even junior firefighters, probationary firefighters, that you've just, like, moved to France and you don't speak French. But, and Firehouse, they're not going to speak English. So there's going to be a confusion there for a while, and it's going to take a while for you to learn their culture and their language and how they do things. And it's going to take them a while to adjust to you, being an American who just moved into France with them, and they're not going to be serving you hot dogs on your first day. It's going to take a while. But once everything gels... It will, be, it will be good. But don't expect the world to change for you, whether you be a woman or a man, as a pro be going into the firehouse. I agree with that. I, th- I also think for women, you know, when you look at culturally how men are socialized, how women are socialized, I think, you know, there's a big difference. There really is. Physically, I, I think women just size-wise, smaller, your hands are smaller. You know, you have to work on your grip strength because your hand is smaller. It's going to be harder to hold on to some of the tools. And and the tools are ergonomically more designed for men, like the size and things like that. Is there anything else you want to add that we haven't spoken about? I was lucky that she blazed the trail for me. I was lucky that people followed. (laughs) (laughs) Now I just got to get more people to follow. I feel very lucky that I came on, you know, I was very fortunate to come on in 1982. And I was very fortunate to have a long enough career to see lots of changes happen with the department, lots of changes happen for women. And I wish that a lot of my early sisters could have stayed long enough to see all the changes and all the goodness that has happened. I couldn't have imagined as a probie in 1982, retiring as a battalion chief and having such a great career and seeing women be more accepted. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm saying it was unimaginable to me in 1982 to be where we are today. Thank you both for being here today and sharing your stories. I think it's going to be an eye-opener, particularly for young women listening who are not maybe even considering firefighting, because we do have a wide range of listeners for this show. So thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the FDMY Pro Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Cassio. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org. FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. 
Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest.